Hello everybody. Well that was a disappointment. Sale, in theory, travelled down to Franklin's Gardens on Saturday, but given the nature of their 17-14 loss to Northampton, you'd be forgiven for thinking they never really got off the bus. Joining me to discuss a pretty miserable Saturday afternoon, as always, are my co-hosts Alex and James. Alex, how are you? Um, saved by an excellent Tom Curry performance in the England game, I think, mate. Um, yeah, very disappointed with sales sharing. Um, a few little highlights and glad to see more of Rafi Quirk. Uh, just hoping he doesn't get too much attention and gets nicked off for it to sit on England's shadow squad for six weeks a year. Uh, but yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I, I don't know what it is. Saturday afternoons just kind of throw me off completely. Quarter to three kickoff as well. Like I watched a bit of the Wales-Italy game uh, and then I kind of moved to sale. And then I kind of blinked and it's six o'clock and you've, you've just watched Tom Curry dismantle the uh, the French pack and you you just kind of like all over the place. I like Friday. I actually quite like Friday nights. There's a nice structure to it. And it seems like the sale players do as well because we always seem to do better playing on a Friday. Uh, James, how are you? I'm, I'm smiling uh, Alex is, I hope that Rafi Quirk doesn't get too much attention. If only the fan podcast wasn't changing its picture on Twitter to be Rafi Quirk or tweeting out that he's going to play for England, end of. Um, if only that didn't happen, then maybe he wouldn't get any attention at all. But no, like, like you guys, I think certainly for 55 minutes, I have to say that that is one of the most frustrating sale performances I've seen this season. We've had a few disappointing ones. <clears throat> this wasn't disappointing. This was frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll go into exactly why this was frustrating momentarily. But shout out to the cell, uh, the Shark Tank podcast followers, because we, we about twenty minutes before we started recording, we said let's let's get some three word reviews in, and actually we got we got loads. So uh, we appreciate the responsiveness of our listeners. Um, so yeah, you know, what are our listeners' thoughts on on top of ours? Uh, Joe Cliff, uh, miss you. RJVR, yeah, you're damn right about that one. Uh, Lord Pike, uh, Brains Beats Brawn. Uh, Jonathan Fish, Limited Attacking Vision. Barry Williamson, Stale Attack Strategy. Matt Sansbury, White Line Fever. Uh, P. Flynn, Is It Psychological? I noticed Donnelly, We Need Rohan. So, Alex, let's, let's, let's start with you. Um, James has really kind of hit the nail on the head in that for 55 minutes, Sale didn't really do anything. And obviously the Sharks only scored their first points at, at that point in the game. What the hell went wrong for Sale uh, on Saturday against a, a pretty average Northampton team? Well, I think that pretty average Northampton team kicked us the ball and said, show us what you can do. And the answer was nothing, wasn't it? I, I think that's fundamentally the issue that you know, I was just looking at the stats before the game and Saints kicked away 47% of their possession in play. So that's not including what they kicked out of play. So half of the time they had the ball, they just kicked it to us and said, do what, do what you want to do. Because you've got Simon Hammersley, you've got Byron McGuigan, but actually you've not got uh, Facundo Cordero or uh, Carreras, which is exactly what we've been saying for weeks. Um, but you haven't got anyone who's going to run through us and create a bit of magic. You've not got somebody who'd ride it. Like, you know, do, do do your worst, and and we just didn't have anything. You know, we were we were putting together sort of attacks that looked relatively nice, but went nowhere. And it was almost like watching someone attack against us. In that, you know, we were passing it wide and getting caught out out wide, and then eventually we'd make a mistake or say it's with a turnover from the pressure of just us going through a number of phases and not being able to do anything. And I think. That was the major issue, and, and James said it on, on our chart on Saturday that you know we just didn't kick penalties when we should have done. We Northampton conceded six penalties in their own 22, and we didn't kick any of them, which is ridiculous. Um, and instead, we decided that we could, we could attack them and beat them with a power game that just didn't, didn't work. You know, we weren't putting our powerful runners into spaces. When we did do that, we then knocked it on through, you know, poor handling errors. And we seem to, our game plan seemed to revolve around, okay, we'll score some tries from getting a really good line-up more going. And we didn't get that going until we scored the first try. That was really our first successful line-up more. So it just seemed like, it. I think it seemed like a complete lack of 
what we've said we don't have for a long time, which is on the field reacting to the way the game has changed. We clearly had a game plan. It didn't work. And what we should have done was go, okay, we're not going to run over this Northampton side. Let's kick some penalties. Let's get some points on the board. Let's move ourselves away from Northampton on the scoreboard. And then when they start chasing the game, the holes will open up in the way we did against Bristol, for example. But instead, we kind of, you know, we were just looking for a moment of magic from Faf or Lude to kind of light up the game. And because that didn't come, we didn't have an attack. We didn't have a plan. We didn't have a structure. And it is so frustrating to watch because you're sat there going, this isn't working. And it's sort of, you know, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, which is exactly what we did for the first 15 minutes. James, we'll obviously talk about sales attacking problems in, in detail momentarily, but Alex has pointed out something there that I want to get your thoughts on because you were very vocal about it on Saturday. Ten minutes into the game, Sale have had all the possession, all the territory. Saints are racking up penalties and they actually have uh, a, a man sent to the bin. Ollie Slateholm gets a yellow card, um, basically as the last person from his team to, to have committed the penalty after repeated warnings. Sales will have the ball with a man advantage. Beginning of the game, they don't kick the three. You know, they kick for the corner, they don't score. And actually in that 10-minute period, Sale don't score any points at all. Is it fair to say that actually that 10 minutes, right at the beginning of the game, kind of set the tone for, for what was to come afterwards and, and as a key reason why actually Sale ultimately found themselves three points down at the final whistle? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Like last week, I gave a huge amount of credit to the way that Sale managed the game and won the game, which was we said on this podcast, listeners, listen back. What we said was, we aren't good enough as an attacking side yet to be just going for bonus point wins. And we did make the right decision every single time with AJ's kicking stats as they are at the moment. You look to take the three points when they're on offer and there's a good chance of being able to kick them. Yeah, You build a score, you put the pressure on the opposition and with our defence, if someone tries to play against us, we will make them make more mistakes, create more penalties. That's when you might have the opportunity to be going to corners and maybe sneak a try bonus. But we haven't got many of them. We've got to admit that we've got to build scores to win games and then trust our defence to be able to defend like 20 to 24 point sale scores. Yeah, Not many teams score more than that, put those many points against us but we can build scores to hit that. So when we turned down three points, there was I, I would have kicked it. I don't mean I would have chosen to kick it. I mean, I could have kicked the three points. Like, it was that much of a gimme. It was right in front. Just tap it over, three points. Then you're fielding a kickoff, right? And you're a man up. And you've already got three points on the board. You've got all of the momentum and confidence. So you just go straight back up the other end of the pitch. You've got the wind behind you. Kick it into a corner. And, and and let's just let's just keep the momentum going. Instead, we we we, we had an aberration. We thought we were Saracens or Exeter, uh, and we thought that our execution and our conversion rate five meters out is so good that we just kick it to the corner because guarantee seven points. I mean, t- tell me tell me any performance this season where our execution and our conversion rate five meters out is so good that you turn down three points right in front and you kick to the corner. Absolutely stupid. And then we did it two or three times more. It wasn't until the second half. AJ actually missed one, didn't he? They changed their mind. Jono realised he'd had a shocker. Or maybe it was a team decision before the match where they thought they could turn up and get five points to catch up with Bristol and Exeter. Well, actually, no. As we're going to see, we're going to be going into an Irish game next week where they could leap Froggers in the, in the table into the top four. I mean, you know, Sailor at our best, as I'll repeat. And we build a score... We put pressure on the opposition to play rugby and good luck getting through our defence, lads. Yes. And it's the first time I'm actually going to say it because I do think he's done a good job over the last few years. But yes. Um, Listen, our attack has looked bereft of ideas for a long time and it has relied on certain players, Marlon Yard being one of them. I think we missed him on, um, on Saturday. Fafty Clerk obviously being a key one. You know, AJ being able to pull out some moments of magic. Think about the the cross kick against Bristol that kind of um you know effectively got us the try. Lou Diaga, Jean-Luc Dupree, Dan Dupree. And we need those players 
to do amazing things, which they are fully capable of doing, but good players doing amazing things is not the basis of a game plan. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's sort of strange women distributing swords from ponds is not the basis of a system of government. It's the same thing. It's like, it's you know, we just... And when we actually distill it down and take out those elements, it, there's no attacking... You know, there's a lovely structure of, you know... Ball out in front, couple of pods, ball in behind to AJ. You know, Will Griff John is very good at it, takes it, draws the man. We'll have Lou Diaga running on his shoulder, who's a massive threat, and he does give it to him sometimes, and sometimes he pulls it back. But every team in the world can do that, and it doesn't need coaching because just go and watch any rugby game and you'll see everyone doing it. You know, it's not a it's not some genius attacking strategy. It is just the way rugby is played at the moment. And what we seem to lack is kind of a structure that suits the players we have. And I think what we've got is an attacking structure that relies, as I say, on those moments of magic and also works if you've got Tirolangi or Van Rensburg in. And what we don't have is something that goes, okay, when we have AJ McGinty or Rob Dupria and then Sam Hill and then Sam James, how are we actually going to break a defence down when we can't smash through them at 12? You know, because Sam Hill is not going to do what Rohan does. He doesn't have the pace and he doesn't have the sort of destructiveness. And and that comes down to your attack coach, doesn't it? And and maybe, you know, I, th- I think the point here is that Paul Deacon has had a long time to, you know, with a relatively settled squad now. It's not, you know, there was a time when we were changing our fly-off every other day and we had Sam James playing, you know, at fly-off for most games in the season. Deacon's now had this back line for at least a year, if not longer, with a couple of tweaks. And we're just not seeing anything from it. And and I suppose the other thing is that AJ is our best 10 and our best kicker by a mile. And we don't have a game plan that suits him. You know, Rob Dupria looks a much better fit for the way we play rugby. Um, which, and I think I saw someone had done some analysis online about we score way more tries with Rob Dupria. We score like an average of three tries a game with Rob Dupria compared to like an average of two with AJ. Um, and it was like three and a half to one and a half or something. So that was rounded. Um, you know, there's no doubt that Rob Dupria fits that system better, but AJ is the better 10. So I think it, it needs a bit of direction. It probably needs Alex Sanderson to make some hard decisions over the summer. And, look at Paul Deacon and say, have you actually, you know, are you actually contributing to an attack here? Or, you know, have we gone as far as we can go with you? Um, and I th- it's a really, really difficult question because, you know, better the devil you know in a lot of ways. But I think it's fair to say that other attacks in the league look much, much better than ours. But then again, you know, we're never going to be a Quinns and we're never probably going to be a Northampton realistically we don't we don't have the players for it so you know do you do you kind of risk bringing someone else in putting a bit of disruption in the squad for actually very little benefit so it's 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 difficult I think you know we we, we're never going to attack this free-flowing pacey attack um not the way we want to play not with Alex Sanderson I don't think I think it's fair to say he's not looking for that kind of loose Southern Hemisphere style rugby that Chris Boyd is bringing in at Northampton and Quinn's sort of play naturally. So we need an attack coach that can deal with possession because at the moment we can't, we, we can deal without the ball very, very well and we can win games without the ball. But when we get majority of possession, we don't win games. Yeah. I think that is such a good point. When we have 30 to 40% possession, that's easily enough for us to win a game. When we have 60-70% of possession and the onus comes on to us, like, we, we, we really struggle to create tries. Um, and there's got to be some reasons for that. My observation from, this, from, the, from the previous two weeks was that there was some sort of attacking structure starting to emerge again, um, similar to like the Cipriano, uh, Cipriani era. And I was thinking, okay, there's, there's some sort of you know, small grassroots here. There was no structure yesterday in a sense that our attacking structure was frantic. And that tone is set by Faf, who he, 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 there's a fine line with Faf between energetic and frantic. And yesterday, unfortunately, he was on frantic. And 
that meant that he was picking the ball up, he was trying to do everything, you know, um, with it as much as possible. And then at some point, he just switched and decided to play a kicking game as well. At some point, it was about the 35th minute, he was like, right, we need to slow it down, whatever. And it was like, you know, from one side of the spectrum to the other. Uh, and, and, and I just thought, where's the rugby intelligence? Where's the on-field leadership going on here with the way that we're going to beat this Northampton side, with where, where we find ourselves? We, yes, we should have taken the points. Yes, we shouldn't have been 5-0 down after 20 minutes. But, you know, where we found ourselves, how can we win the game? <clears throat> and the on-field decision-makers, Faf included, just didn't manage to do that. The, the other thing was that we were getting the ball out wide, we, 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 we were, we, at some points, we were really trying to play what I would call attacking rugby. The problem was, was passing it as quickly as you can to your wingers, I don't think is an attacking structure because you've got to earn the right to go wide. Northampton just, you know, crabbed sideways and forced our winger back in field and we were just having to recycle possession. It was like watching Italy, you know, just passing the ball as quickly as you can to the wingers. No, you've got to earn the right to go wide, which just means some simple phase play, get over the game line, good luck trying to stop the Dupreeers on the game line, get them much closer to the Rook areas, you know, and we'll get onto selection in a little bit, but there's no question for me that we were lacking the ball carriers close to the Rook area. There was a lot of onus on Will Griff John to do that carrying, and he wasn't getting over the game line. So um, I, I think, yeah, I think in my two pennies worth on Deakin is I've been you know, holding back from, from saying anything negative about um, the, the squad and the coaches and all the rest of it. Because ultimately, it's Alex Anderson's decision. Um, Alex, you surprised us, surprised us with some stats on Deakin, sort of pre and, 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 and post-Deakin appointment on our attack um, and the amount of points we'd scored. Um, you know, it was, it was much more positive in the positive column for Deakin than, than I expected. But I think we've all got to say it's either the attacking players we've got or the attacking coach we've got or a bit of both where we're just not a very good side to watch with the ball. I mean, we're just not. Like, I'm not asking us to be Bristol or Quinns, right, who's, you know, they're going to fling the ball around and try and score as many tries as they can. And they, they say to the opposition, well, if you score 30, we'll score 34. We'd be stupid to do that when we've got the best defence in the league, right? But I think we've got to be watching a, a little bit more rugby playing now than, you know, than we, we watch. Just watching, just sort of, just brawn over brains, isn't it? Which works when you when you don't have the ball. But when you've got the ball, you need to you need to play intelligently, play what's in front of you. And I was going to say on that, that is the point that we, we just throw and it's almost worse when we have Jean Luc Brie and Dan Debrie in the back row because we just throw them at, at people and say, right, beat them, do something good, you know, you know, throw a throw an offload at the back of the hand. Um and and when they can't do that, like I say, it just there's, there's not really an attacking structure in there. And you know, then we throw it to the backs, and AJ doesn't really know that like look look like he knew what to do yesterday. Sam Hill doesn't really offer anything in attack at the moment, partly because of you know the structure he's playing in. That's not a criticism of Sam Hill, although there is another conversation there about his performances, um, and. Sam James isn't having a great season, but again, you know, we he's not going to have a great season when Rohan and Manu have been injured all, all year. He's going to look better when he has a better 12 inside him, I think. So it's just, you're right, it's, it's, it's not enjoyable to watch. And I think that's the thing. Um, you know, he, he is, Deacon isn't creating enjoyable attacking rugby to watch. And you can forgive that when you're winning. And probably the thing here is that, you know, yesterday we needed every pass to go to hand to win the game. And because it didn't, we didn't win the game. But we should be in a position against that Northampton side where we are creating five or six chances, you know, and two or three of them go to hand. But realistically, yesterday, we just... The only way we scored... Was through getting a driving more going, you know, and that's not not a good place to be in as a professional rugby side, is it? I want to spotlight some players here because I think it's from Saturday, which I think is representative of, of the struggles that we've got um, at the moment. And to your point earlier, Alex, you know, do we need to look for a different coach? I, I think we do. Um, uh, you know, just got to put that out there. I think from a sale perspective. Um, watching the game yesterday, there's a couple of things that stood out. Um, 
John Ross doesn't seem to know how to pass. And that seems a very strange thing, but I was watching it very, very closely. And what we really struggled with, especially in our forwards play, there's not a lot of support runners and there's not a lot of offloading. There's not a lot of passing. And one of the biggest culprits for one out running is, is John O'Ross. We're giving him the ball. We're asking, yeah, and he's doing what we're asking him to do, which is just, you know, hit up and, and run into someone and, and we recycle. What we started doing very well in the second half when our performance improved was we actually were getting our forwards to uh, take the ball and then get the ball away to someone like Lou Diaga, um, who particularly stood out as a, as a support runner. And that changes the focus, focal point of your attack. It changes how the defence lines up, and it creates opportunities for you to attack uh, opposition defensive shoulders and actually start to make some line breaks in the middle of the, the, the pack. Whether or not that's Jono not wanting to pass, that, that, that seems unlikely. What it feels like is our seven, or our six in this case, is just being asked to just one out, and there's no structure around him uh, to actually get him with the ball and then getting the ball away to people running a crash line. So I think, you know, how, how do we use John O'Ross better? How do we use someone like Cobus Visa or Josh Bowman better? Because they both had pretty quiet games. I think is paramount because at the moment we're just using them as one-out runners uh, and there's no sort of attacking flow. I think uh, Sam Hill is another person who needs, uh, you know, highlighting because he's having a very tough run of games. You know, he's kind of the de facto as well because we don't have two line give Van Rensburg at the moment, but... A couple of weeks ago, we were putting him in decision-making positions, and that didn't work. This week, you know, we were asking him to just, uh, again, you know, be the crash ball 12, and I don't think the speed or evasiveness or, or physicality is, is there to play that role in a way that Tua Lange or Van Rensburg do. But, you know, this is on Deacon. You know, if you don't have Tua Lange or Van Rensburg, you have to switch how you play to accommodate that change in personnel. We're not doing that. It's almost like, well, well Sam Hill's big and brawny. You know, he can do the same thing as Van Rensburg can, and I don't think that's true. Sam James is, is having a very quiet season. Um, I'd, and again, it's not necessarily a reflection on his performances, but he's not getting the ball. He's not getting the opportunity to have any sort of input into our attack. And we're wasting his his ability and his talent. Um, and then lastly, you know, right towards the end of the game, we started using Simon Hammersley as as, a, as another first receiver coming off, uh, off 15. Um which is very, you know, quite a surreal one because Hammersley in his eight-year career has never really been a distributor. Um, and so why we were using him rather than Rob Dupria or Sam James, who actually went off midway through the second half, it seems very strange. And th- there are these kind of individual performances, which I don't want to criticise too much because I think it's reflective of the attacking structure. And fundamentally, we're trying to establish a way of playing, and that's absolutely fine. But as we've talked about ad nauseum now, we're not seeing the the nuance from the coaching staff to say, this is the way we, we try to play when all our best players are available. Um, this is how we're going to play when Rohan's not available or Marlon Yard's not available or the Dupriers aren't available. Because, and the Dupriers, which we'll come on to now, James, because I know you have lots of thoughts about them. I think with the right attacking coach and the right attacking system, those boys are world-class and genuinely can form the, back, the, the bedrock of a forward pack that can win European titles. They are that talented. But at the moment, because of how we're getting them and the rest of the team to play, we're just wasting a lot of their potential. Uh, and that's reflective of the squad as a whole, which falls on the shoulders of, of the attack coach. So James, another issue from Saturday was the back row again. John Luke Dupria, Dan Dupria, John Ross. It didn't work. And I know you in particular have some thoughts on why that might be. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before on the pod. Um, and by the way, I've got absolutely, I'm not disagreeing with uh, the potential that Jean-Luc and, and Dan Dupria have. I mean, they've put in some brilliant individual performances for sale. Um, but let's look at where those individual performances have been. They haven't been playing together in the back row. Full stop, end of story, end of case. They've played three of the last four games in the back row together, and we've lost all three of those games. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence. Now, that doesn't. I'm not letting Jono off the, the hook here. He's been playing seven in three in the, all three of those games as well. So I think we can safely say, you know, that that those three as a back row that just don't work, um, and we need to we need to accept that now and take that into selection decisions because I think the selection, you know, there's question marks about the selection. I'm not going to hammer axe on it. You know, we've hired an inexperienced um, director of rugby. He's learning on the job mid season with the squad that he was already there. Um, Injuries rotation is required, um, and you've got to play. You know your best players. Now I can see what he's trying to do. The, the, the problem is, is I've said this before about the, both Dupriers. 
they both play in a very similar way. And when you have two very similar back rows in the same team, like it, it, it means another job's not being getting done. Yeah, that's the problem. So Jono was playing like he would do as a six at seven. You know, that just means that we're missing a link with the backs. When Neil plays, right, he's not like Ben Curry or Tom Curry, um, but he does offload. Him and Langdon both have a really nice way of shifting the point of contact. We didn't, Acker, Acker just doesn't, he runs into people. Um, and so do the Dupree as they run into people, look to, 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 to dominate them physically and then, you know, get off the back and, and offload. And that's and they are very, very dangerous. But they're both trying to do the same thing. So my view is, and this is for me following South African rugby a lot over the last few years as well, this is exactly, we are having the same conversation that all the Sharks fans have in Durban. This is nothing new. This is this is not new information that we're just finding out, you know, whilst we just move people around. This is already a known thing. They're playing them both in the back row. Unless your front five is completely dominant and you're just running rampage, yeah, um, then it, it's not the best combination. Jean-Luc was brilliant for us in the second row. I mean, Springbok selection brilliant, I felt. I thought he was should be pushing Springbok selection as a second row. The issue we have is we have too many second rows and not enough back rows at the moment. Uh, and his favourite position will be six. But my view is is that Dan Dupree plays nearly every single game. He needs a break. Can we not play Jean-Luc and rotate them a bit? Do they always have to play? Is the pressure within the squad around selection, like how we hired these people and we brought them in, that we have to play them all of the time? I, I don't think so. So I would like to see Jean-Luc either... In the second row, as a rotation option for Dan Dupria as an eight, um, or as an option off the bench. I don't think we see enough of the Dupriers off the bench as an impact. Could you imagine like Jean-Luc or Dan Dupria coming on with 25 minutes to go when the game's breaking up? I mean, you shit yourself, wouldn't you, as the opposition? Why don't we do that more often? They either play together or they, they rotate out. Or Sorry, they don't rotate out. They're, they're banned. For, for for foul play, so yeah, I do think there's there's some major selection issues there, and I'll hand back to to you, um, Lewis. But w- I'm interested in getting your thoughts on you know eight changes again this time. Um, we made ten changes for the last game that we lost, and eleven changes for the game that we lost before that. Um, and we said that that was some changes too many, and Ak said that himself. We've made eight changes and we've lost again. You know. What, what what's the situation there? Like, are we just making the same mistakes again and again? I think there's I think there's two things uh, on on that. The the first is that it feels like this in this instance, you know, some of these changes must have been enforced. Um, you look at someone like Marlon Yard, for example. Um, you know, he's he's in the form of his his cell career at the moment. No real reason to completely drop him out of the twenty three, and and you can kind of go go through the team and, and find similar instances of that. Um, I think the other thing as well is, and it's worth pointing out because, you know, we, we're churning out pods every single week at the moment, is that this season has been a grind. Like, it is just non-stop for the past sort of eight, nine weeks. And when you play, especially when you play a style like Sale, which is so based around fronting up and, dump, you know, physicality and all that kind of stuff, is it does take its toll, you know, and, and leads to a... Um, not necessarily higher than average injury rate, but the amount of niggles and the amount of knocks that, that the, t- the squad will be dealing with will, you know, will be high. And because of that, you have to rotate the squad, uh, you know, quite substantially. There's a, a sort of third point, which is as well as you know, Sanderson is kind of coming to the, the the squad cold, and he needs you know a bit of time to work out who his best team are. And I think we're starting to see that actually now. You know, he, he had to rotate eight or nine players in his first couple of weeks because. You know, he doesn't know Sam Dudell from Cameron Neal or, or John Luke Dupree from Dan Dupree. You know, he needs uh, a bit of time to understand, you know, who his best team are and who's going to fit his system. That's probably should have finished by now, given that we're sort of seven or eight games into his tenure. Um, but that's kind of a natural part of it as well, on top of the, the, the two main points I've, I've highlighted above. And actually, what this gets me to, Alex, is I want to finish this conversation on Northampton because it's depressing as hell. But Because uh, I want to talk about some positives. And actually, I think... What we're seeing from this constant squad rotation is there's a bit of a spine of this team starting to emerge that looks like it's going to be the sales squad for the next couple of years. In particular, Bevan Rod, Curtis Langdon, um, Rafi Quirk, which you know I'm sure you'll have plenty of thoughts on. These are all you know. These were three players who came off the bench on Saturday and made a, a, a tangible difference, and you could see 
I don't think, for example, I don't think Bevan Rod is a better player than Ross Harrison. But for whatever reason at the moment, Bevan Rod is fitting the way Sanderson wants to play more than Harrison is. And he's making more of an impact around the field and in the, the areas that he's, he's paid to play in. So as kind of a pivot to that, you know, who, who, are, who are the standout players from Saturday, Alex? And, and kind of, do you agree that the standout players on Saturday are the standout players from the last couple of weeks as well that you imagine Axe is going to take forward as a, as a spine of this squad? Yeah, I I do agree. And I think the point on the, all of those players, and, you know, this isn't this isn't us kind of being, oh, we're, you know, really biased towards the academy. Our best players at the moment are Sale Academy graduates, sort of without exception. You know, the people who are, who we're talking about week on week as needing improvement are people we've brought in. But I don't think there's any kind of academy product who we talk about as needing to improve because they're so impressive. You know, Curtis Langdon, Ewan Ashman, Bevan Rod in the front row have been absolutely superb. Um, and that's really encouraging. Josh Beaumont in the second row, uh, Neil and Dugdale, nothing but positive things whenever they've played. Rafi Quirk has been just superb. And he brings a massive, and I'm going to talk about him, obviously, um, but he just brings an energy to the game when he comes on. And there's a, there is a correct question about whether he can start a game and, and sort of manage it. But when he comes on the pitch, he just speeds the game up at exactly the time you want the game to be sped up. Um, and what really impresses me, I think, is his intelligence as well. Because, you know, we talk about kind of managing that game. The kid's like about how old is he 19 20 and he looks as relaxed as you could ever be on a rugby field he knows what to do he hits his man with his pass every time really good quality really fast distribution he quick taps when he needs to he, he slows the game down when he needs to his box kicking superb it is just you know that's kind of I'll, I'll stop there before i get too excited but all the players who were really impressed with are academy products, and that's kind of what we need to build the team around. And I think that's what Sanderson's trying to do, that kind of northwest heart with a bit of South African flair. But it's just working out how to use that that flair because if you put if if we put out a team of academy graduates like Saints did, which we could, we'd probably win most games, but we wouldn't be top four material yet. We might be in three years, but at the moment we wouldn't be. So we have to kind of work out how we use those star players. Um, but, you know, yeah, the the fundamental point, which I don't think we should ignore, is that there have been some incredible performances this season. And we were wor- a bit worried about the, ca- the kind of academy pipeline. And, you know, when Redpath went and, you know, we were thinking, is this just becoming a South African team? Well, I think on, on current form, the South Africans have got to, you know, get the jersey back off the academy guys. Because... I'd have Langdon over Acker every time. Bevan Rod is the first choice, like you said, for me by a mile. Um, you know, I think Beaumont deserves a starting place in the team. It's so I think you know, and then in the back row, Neil and Dugdale, we would have starting every week basically, um, or one of them at least. So you know, I think it's it's definitely a learning process for Sanderson. But the encouraging thing is we are producing talent and they are clearly coming through to the first team and are good enough. The question is how we marry that up with this sprinkling of star quality to get ourselves a top four finish and a, and a premiership title one day. Yeah, can, can, I, can I just finish off this Northampton section just by picking up two things? So one is on rotation, we seem to be going from like either no changes to two changes um, to making eight to 11 changes. They're, they're the two options that we seem to be having at the moment. I, maybe that's because he's testing out squad, I don't know. But what, what I would like to see is a permanent rotation of three to five changes, keeping people fresh, but you're keeping some, some continuity within the side as well. And three to five changes just feels to me to be much better. And we had the opportunity, I think, to do it this week because we'd won the week before. I think it's more difficult to only rotate three to five when you, when you lose one or two on the bounce. And then there's more of a thirst than the things that we need to change things up. But when you when you got a momentum like we had for Axis two games and then after the back of that last week, three to five changes works better. And then just finally on, on Cam Neald, like I know I'm, I've been banging on about it on Twitter 
Like, I don't think this guy is going to get 150 caps for England. I really don't. And I, I think he's just, you know, he, but he's, you know, he's played over 100 times for sale, what, 120 times for sale or something like that. And I can't think of many games where he's played poorly, certainly not in the back row, right? And certainly since August, when we restarted last season, every single minute of every single game he's played, he's played well. It's been at least seven out of ten. He's consistent. He changes the point of attack. He's got a brain on him, but he's also an absolute grafter. And I think if you're without the curries, you have to play Neald at seven. You, you, you just have to for the balance of the, of the team. He might be knackered after 60 minutes and you have to take him off because he, he got fine. No problem. Much better that way around. And, or, and then I think when the Ben Curry comes back or Tom Curry returns from England, I think he's been playing so well. He deserves a shot at first choice six at the moment. I, I honestly think this, and it, uh, this must be something going on. Let's not get into a Cam Neal conversation, but I find it very difficult to understand why he was the one that was sacrificed with the yellow card last week. You know, I understand that Dugdale plays one week, then Neil the next. That's made sense. But then three of the last four games, we've had Dupria, Dupria, Ross, not Dugdale or, or, or uh, Neil at all. And Neil wasn't even in the 23 this week. So maybe he picked up a knock. He, he does have injury problems, but... I'm just I, criminally underplayed and I can't get my head around it because I, I don't see one fan like saying, oh, we, you know, Neil's just squad player. Yeah, we'll pick him when we have to. Like Everyone's going, where the fuck is he? Anyway, there we go. End of Northampton. And this leads me on to my next question, James, which is, so I'll next play London Irish. That's our next game of the Premiership. Would you, uh, would you start Cam Neil by any chance? Definitely. I'd definitely be playing Cam Neild. No question. Whether it's at six or at seven. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, no, look, I, I'll do a very, very quick update on, on Irish. Um, they had a two-week break over Christmas New Year, like a few of the teams that we've been playing recently. And I think your point, Lewis, is a fair one. That what Axe is trying to do here is, you know, we've not had a break. It's week after week of intense attritional rugby. And he's, he's rotating people in. And, and actually, we're still getting losing bonus points. Like things, you know, there is a positive side to it, you know, and maybe he's keeping people fresh. If we stay in the top four, then it'll, be, it'll all pay off. But, you know, Irish look fresh. They look energetic. They're playing really good rugby. You know, similar, the, the you know, slightly different attacking structures to Bristol and, and Quinns, who just look to just throw it around at every available opportunity. Irish are a lot more structured, uh, and they try and front up up front um, as well. But they do play some really nice rugby with some old-fashioned wingers, which I'll get onto in a bit. Um, since the since the uh, the new year, they've won three games, uh, two at home to Newcastle, Gloucester, away at Wasps. They've lost away at Exeter and away at Leicester last week, but did get a losing bonus point. It was a cracking game, 33-32, I think it was. Only lost by a point, so... You know, they're scoring loads of points and they're only just losing. And they've drawn two games, one of which was a cracker against Bristol. I think it was 34-all or something ridiculous. And then away at Quinns. Well, Quinns are just on a roll at the moment. Uh, they're playing Worcester at home today. Um, I think, you know, they're going to get a five-point win there. I don't see any other result coming, which puts them within a point of sale sharks. And if they beat us, you know... The way that they're scoring points at the moment, you wouldn't put it past them to be winning with a bonus. But they could be four points clear of us by this time, this time next week. You know, so it just puts it into perspective that uh, you know no one would have had Irish in and around sale, I think this year. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, they are in and around us, and they're much better to watch than we are. They rotate from rows all of the time. Uh, Alan Dell, Hoskins, Goodrick, Clark. Um, um, uh, Chihuahua, uh, Chatawama, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name, and Matt Cornish as well as Hooker. You know, he, he's sort of subbing in sometimes for, for Augustine Creeby, who's been a brilliant signing for Irish. Absolutely brilliant. Clearly passed his world-class best, but his nous is just extraordinary. And it's that leadership that I think that Irish have on the field. It's like looking at Sale a few years ago, really. You know, they've picked up some of the leadership group. Matt Rogerson seems to captain on field quite a lot for them. But, you know, they've clearly got four or five captains uh, on the on the pitch. And I think that that, that is really showing and it's allowing some of their youngsters to really flourish. Um, equally, people like Steve Maffey, Nick Phipps, you know, these experienced players, they're, they're finding form. Uh, and they're, I would class those two types of people as kind of like almost like Steve Diamond signings. 
um, and uh, they're really paying off for Irish. And then they've got a back three of homegrown talent. Obviously, they've got um, Homer's returned, but he's injured at the moment. But he did have an excellent start to the season at 15, really, really solid. And then since then, they've brought in Parton at 15, who's just like, it's quite similar to Max Malins, really. You know, somebody who's got a bit of a skill set that could play at 10, but it's just rapid um, over a short period of time. Uh, and then you've got Hassel Collins and Loder on the wings. And anyway, that, that, is, that is quick, it's powerful, it's, it's dynamic. Um, and I think that it's everything of a back three that Sale need. I think if you plonk those back three into the Sale team, it would make quite a big difference to our side. Watch out for ex-Sale players. Uh, George Knott has been rotating in and out of the 23, um, either in the back row or in the second row. And Matt Rogerson as well. I say usually captains when he plays, um, either at six or at eight for, for, for Irish. And I imagine he'll be playing against Sale because of the old connection. Um, head for head, I'm going to go Creevy against Langdon. Uh, Langdon obviously released for a very early age from the Irish Academy. He's got something to uh, to, to prove against them, I think. And we, I think we've been we struggle with Acker at, at um, we struggle with Acker at hooker in the scrum. Um, I really do because I think he gets attacked by scrummaging hookers. I really do, and by opposition that they they, they cut, like even yesterday. I felt that they were burrowing in, by the way, every single time. I thought it was a disgrace. But they really attacked our hooker channel in the scrum. I think Langdon, you know, he's not a scrummaging hooker, but he's he's probably more slightly more solid there than Acker at the moment, at least. Well, Creevy is going to be rubbing his face all in him. He's going to be whispering in his ear. You know, it's going to be a real challenge for Kurt Stein. We're going to really see how he's developing as a rugby player here because Creevy's got every single trick in the book. And uh, it's going to be a great learning experience either way. And I really hope we pick Curtis Langdon because he's clearly our best two at the moment. So I think that'll be a cracking head-to-head. Uh, the old stager against the person who's really coming onto the scene as a first choice for the first time. So I guess the, the question for you, Alex, is based on what we know about Irish and based on how we performed against them in the past, earlier in the season, what are the changes that you'd make to the sale team? Because it, it looks like, unfortunately based on Saturday's performance, we're going to have to make three, four, five changes again to, to get back to winning ways. Yeah, we are. And and to be honest, the, the frustrating thing is that the changes that we suggest, we kind of almost know aren't going to happen. You know, I we don't want to see two Dupriers and Johnny Ross in the back row. That's, you know, the balance is all wrong. But we've been saying that for Christ knows how long. All season, basically. I'm probably most of last season. So, in the back row, I would have um, Ross, Neil, Dupria. Either Dupria, don't mind. I thought James made a very good point that they their best performances. Think about how good John Luke was when it was just him on that loan period and we played him at eight. He was brilliant. He was, was game changingly good. Um, so, yeah, so they have one Dupria, <laughs> Ross, and then Neil and Doug Dale. Either both brilliant, and and I think that would bring a good balance. I think Lude is playing really well, but has probably played quite a lot of rugby. So I don't know what for me. I'd have Beaumont and Visa, and then you know give Lude a bit of a break because I worry that we are going to overplay him and he's going to get injured again. Front row, I absolutely agree. I think I think you go back to what you know, which is Rod Langdon and Will Griff John. Um, and the worry at the moment and the massive hole in our squad is that Will Griff John is our only and best tight head. Um Tazen isn't playing that well. And then after that, it's kind of, you know, you, you, we've not really got a lot else in that position um, with Jake Cooper-Willier. Oh, injured. Yeah, I think he's injured. I think he's injured. Although he was very good on co-commentary um, against Falcons. Um, so... Yeah, that, I, I forgot to mention that last week, but I did actually really enjoy that. I'm not sure if that's going to help his scrummaging ability. But <laughs> no, but it'll help his media career in uh, yeah. a year's time. Um, yeah, we might end up, he might end up going to BT next year, and then we really will be in trouble at Tighthead. Um, I'd, I'd keep Faf and AJ at, at 9 and 10. And to be honest, I'd keep, yeah, I, I don't think the back line is a, m- a massive amount of changes. I actually thought Aaron Reid had quite a good game um, against Saints and probably was unlucky in that the team was playing very badly and therefore he didn't really get the chances he deserved um, to show his stuff. But I'd probably change Hammersley for Luke James. That would be about it in the back line. Um, 
it's difficult though, isn't it? Because I think we we try and predict this every week, and then you know we'll end up with eight changes again, and and it's it's quite frustrating that you never know where they're going to come, and it's that can, we've not had a consistent selection policy. You know this se- this season's been characterised by turmoil, and the fact that we've had three people in charge of the team at one time or another, let alone then all the changes that are going on, especially with Sanderson. So. Yeah, they would be my changes. I thought Roebuck on the bench again looked good and I'd probably keep him on the bench. Quirk again, Rob Dupria um, to come on and make a bit of an impact. But, you know, I, I'm i almost tired of trying to predict it because we'll probably play Hammersley on the wing and, you know, put bring Doherty back out of nowhere. And, you know, it's, it's a slightly worrying time. And I think the worry about Irish is that they are good enough to, to beat us in our current current state so um yeah i they, they will be my changes i think up front is where we need to change i think the back line is all right and once we kind of make those changes up front that'll help the back line fire but i i really i'm worried about this one because i think we are on a downward spiral and irish are irish are coming up so i i fear for for us if if they get a bit of a head start yeah i, th- I thought aaron reed was busy in the first half uh but uh, too eager to please, I thought he made some some mistakes that cost Sale. Um, but 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 I, I saw enough in there because of the pace that he brings to the side to warrant another go if Marlon's not back next week. Um, Byron is is a lot less effective on the right wing. I think we can say that he is much more effective on the left wing. Um, but we yeah we we're struggling for options there. I mean again Luke James, you know he, we tend to win when he's playing. Uh, we tend to lose when Hammersley's playing, so I think that's difficult to not make that decision. Sam Hill's a big one. He's played a lot of rugby. Uh, we do ask him to play a traditional thing. On Sam Hill, by the way, we he, he, we, we should be sending flat balls to him, running onto, running onto the ball at speed. He's not dynamic like Ram Rensburg or Tuolangi, so he, he's not going to just take his pace into contact and just burst through people. He, what he needs to do with the ball in hand, because we say he's a decision maker, he, he sometimes shapes the pass and then just goes into the tackle. I think if we're going to use him as a crash ball player, he's got to put in a flat ball and ask him to run onto it hard and straight uh, rather than ask him to be accelerating through gaps. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't mind Aaron Reed if there's no Marlon Yard, but I, I am tempted to play Rob Dupuyer at 12. Uh, and it's not just because I just want to suddenly score four tries. I think there's also an element of controlling the game as well, putting the ball into the corners with kicking game. We're not using Sam James's boot very well. When we did, when he did use it once, he kicked it straight out, which was difficult because of the wind. I know that's tricky to, to control, but but I just I just wonder whether it would be a risk defensively to do it because Rob Dupree is not the best defender. But I would stick with Sam James, um, and he, you know, and then I'd, I'd be tempted to play Rob um, at twelve. So that's there. My only changes. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick Quirk uh, to start again yet. I think we're managing him brilliantly well, um, and I think when he gets his start, first start, he's going to really deserve it, um, and he'll be ready. I, I don't want to set him up to fail, um, and I think that we need to win the next game. We need to beat Irish, and I think if Quirk started and had a poor game, you set him back. You know, for quite a few months. So, you know, Fafter Clerk has to take responsibility. He's a senior player. He's got to he's got to start and and take us to victory. So, uh, so yeah, that I I'd agree with you on that front. I would tell him to put Jean Luc into the second row if 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 Lude's going to have a break, um, which I agree with. By the way, he's played you know a lot of minutes. I'd, I'd put Jean Luc into the second row. Keep Dan Dupree at eight. Right. Should we do some predictions? I don't have many thoughts on on Sale Irish, as uh, as I'm sure our listeners will have realised, having been pretty quiet the last couple of minutes. Um, but I think, I mean, on the whole, this is another banana skin game in, in a season full of them. You have Sale very Jekyll and Hyde at the moment. You have an Irish team that looks like they're finally putting it together. It feels like the sort of second or third year of, of this kind of complete overhaul of the squad um, is, is starting to come to fruition. Um and I'm confident that Sale at home should be able to um, manage the game in the way that we, we like and, and are able to play. But I think there's so much attacking threat from Irish that 
considering you know doing a light by light comparison to the Falcons game Irish can definitely beat us in more ways than than, than Falcons can so I'm going to tentatively say Sale are going to eke this one out but it's going to be close again 24-21 to Sale uh, Alex what do you reckon I'm not feeling confident um, I am going to say Irish are going to sneak it 20 I'll go the reverse 24-21 to Irish Um I think we just need to give them the ball, let them play at us and let our defence do the talking. Um, I've just been doing some background analysis, by the way. Every game under Sanderson, where we've had minority possession with one and where we've had majority possession with lost, um, it's slightly different when you take into account the Deacon and Diamond games, but every game under Sanderson, it's literally less than 50% possession equals a win. So that's the key, give them the ball, let them run at us. But yeah, I think uh, 24-21 to Irish, I think they're in good form and they're a really good side um, who are probably due a win over us because I think we've had uh, we've had some good results against them over the last few years that probably uh, they'll be up for it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real... It's really difficult to call. It's, I think we un, un, unlikely Irish score less than three tries, uh, even against our defence, just with the way that they play. The question is, can we score enough points to beat them at the moment? I think we will get a reaction because there'll be a lot of... I think if we're frustrated as fans, the, the players will be very frustrated. If our discipline holds, because that's always the worry with frustrated individuals, especially our players, <laughs> if, if discipline holds, I think we're going to win. And I think we're going to win about 29-24, something like that. Right. So both me and James feeling a bit more optimistic than Alex. We'll see if that comes to fruition next week. Um, so that's the podcast for this week. Thank you to everyone who um, got back to us with three road reviews with a 20-minute warning, so that's pretty impressive. Um, thank you to Alex and James for joining me, as always. A um, couple of housekeeping bits and pieces. There's a mid-season review that we're going to be recording this week, which will be going up onto the Patreon. Um, and we're doing some. we're hoping to do something very exciting regarding some of our Academy talents. Uh, around a particular championship game between Doncaster and Coventry, uh, which will be going up on the Patreon later this month, all being well. Um, but yeah, that, that's everything from my side. Um, Alex, James, anything from you guys before we sign off? Not from me. Only thing from me is to say well done to Tom Curry on being an incredible rugby player. Um, he's just he's just superb, and um, hopefully we can get him and his brother back in the squad as soon as physically possible, both injury and international selection related. But yeah, I thought he was he was world class uh, on on Saturday, and he's got all sorts of people talking about him. So we may well have a uh, actually. No, I'm not going to drink it. I'm ignore me. Um, well done, Tom Curry. I was going to say something that I then regret when people clipped the sound bite in July time. So, <laughs> man of the series for the Lions or something. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what. I mean. <laughs> like, he's going to get a career-ending injury now. No, don't say that. That's the bit we clip now, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Be safe, Tom, and uh, we'll see you all next week. 